Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast. I'm Virginia Stanley. I'm Chris Connolly. And I'm Lainey Mays. We are the library marketing team at HarperCollins Publishers. Above all, we love bringing librarians and great books together. Join us every week as we present buzzworthy books through author interviews, conversations with editors, and expert opinions from librarians like you. Enjoy the show. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love Fest. Hey, it's Virginia. Hey, we had a really cool interview with authors Russell Banks talking with librarian author Nancy Pearl. Um, so Nancy Pearl's book, The Writer's Library, went on sale, I think it was in September. And uh, she joined our Facebook Live program where we uh, interviewed Russell Banks, who was talking about his forthcoming book, Foregone, which is really, really powerful and amazing. It's coming out in March. So Nancy and Russell go way back. Um, the very first um, community-wide read uh, was in Seattle and it was Nancy Pearl's brainchild. It was called Fall of Seattle, read the same book. And the book that they chose was The Sweet Hereafter by Russell Banks. It was really, really neat. I got to be there um, on, at that event. The week of events um, with Russell and Nancy was like unforgettable. So they go way back and they have a really great um, vibe between the two of them, really cool connection. She actually interviewed him in her book, The Writer's Library. So anyway, here's um, here's the audio from the uh, the Facebook Live interview that we did, Nancy Pearl and Russell Banks, and uh, we're gonna watch the whole thing. You can go on Facebook Live and Library Love Fest and check it out. It's it's pretty special. And let's get right into your book, Foregone, which is utterly compelling and wonderful. Um, so Russell, mm -hmm. twice a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize past president of the International Parliament of Writers, a member of the American Academy of Arts and Letters. Your books have been plenty and they've been translated into 20 languages. You've received numerous prizes and awards, uh, including the Commonwealth Award for Literature. Uh, we could be here all day just talking about um, your, your vast library of mm -hmm. books that you have, uh, have um, shared with us and graced us with, and uh, you are really just so wonderful. Your new book, Foregone, which is out in March, um, is, um, boy, you can't, you can't stop. We've talked about this already. Uh, you have spoken with librarians um, uh, between, I don't know, the last six months you've spoken with librarians and the, the, the uh, fever pitch it has built to. Um, the first novel in about 10 years, right, Russell? Uh, yeah, exactly 10 years. You know, the last novel was uh, Lost Memory of Skin, and then there was a book of stories, and then a, a nonfiction book of uh, travel writings. And in the meantime, I was puttering away with this. Well, boy, I, I loved Lost Memory of Skin. I loved all your books, The Sweetheart After Rule of the Bone. Oh, I just love, I love your books. I'm such a huge fan, and I'm so thrilled to have you here. Yeah. So, uh, Foregone is, um, well, we were talking before about what to say and what not to say. And so, 
I'm going to ask you to share with our viewers what you want them to know about Foregone. Right. Um, well, let's see, I can talk a minute or two, I think, about the process, which will lead me to talk about the structure of the book, which will lead me to talk about the characters and the themes of the book, I think. It's, it's unlike most of my books, which when I begin, I write straight through to the end. Um, and it's about, about three years out of my life. Um, and I don't work on anything else at the time. In this case, though, this is a book that I really, in a sense, began many years ago, probably 20 years ago, when I, I first started making notes about um, and doing a little research about the Americans men, young American men who in the late 60s, early 70s fled from the United States to Canada to escape um, um, the military service during the Vietnam War. And there were 60,000 of them and their lives fascinated me, perhaps uh, partially because uh, I'm uh, Canadian American myself. Three of my grandparents and my father are Canadians and now I'm officially a Canadian citizen as well. And I think my family history and association with Canada made me look at it from both sides, the, those young men um, and their fates uh, and their reasons for fleeing um, to Canada and then their lives as they unfolded over the next uh, 20, 30, 40 years, um, as it's now turned out 60 years or so. Um, and I, I became fascinated by that evolution um, that began uh, in, with, with flight um, uh, from the United States. About the same time, um, the issue of refugees and immigration became very, very much uh, an issue of the day. I mean, in the last couple of years, the last four years to be exact. Um, and, and, and in some ways that heightened my, my engagement with this material that had kind of lain fallow sitting uh, in a drawer uh, from years before. Uh, and so I pulled it out and realized that my man, um, who was young when he fled to Canada, would now be about 80 years old. Um, and he'd very likely be in bad health and, um, and he'd be facing the end of his life. And, uh, and I wanted him, uh, I, I wondered how his life would look to him from that vantage point. So, uh, because like many of the Canadians who, who, who Americans who became Canadians uh, during this period, they assimilated thoroughly and, and uh, many, most of them did, only 10% of them returned after Carter gave them, um, pardoned them. Um, most of them stayed there and became Canadians and, and because they were relatively well-educated um, and uh, they were able to rise into the middle and upper middle class and professional classes. Some of them became even well-known so I made my man a well-known documentary filmmaker of the left. Um, and, uh, and I thought it might be interesting, finally, if I could set it up so that he's telling his story to a younger man who was his student um, at Concordia College in Montreal, Canada, uh, years before. And his wife was present, his Canadian wife, and a producer, and a cinematographer, and a sound person, and, and alternate between his memories and the telling of his memories. Um, 
Now, let me just add one more factor to this because it, it's, it's very important to the story and its structure. His experience, his memories um, were very different from, um, from the way in which he's expressing it to, um, to the people who are filming him. Um, this comes out of my experience with someone very close to me in my family, in fact, who uh, at the end of his life um, suffered from dementia and experienced something that's called confabulation, um, which in which you, you mix together, but all of it believably uh, to the person who's experiencing this, you mix together your memories, your fantasies, your wishes, your fears, your nightmares and dreams, um, and reality gets radically distorted in the experiencing of it, the reality of other people. Your own reality is quite concrete and specific in confabulation. I began to think about this experience, this very subjective experience. I thought, how could I set up a, 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 a telling, a narrative, such that we could simultaneously experience what he is experiencing in his confabulated state, as he is, is elderly, dying, medicated, and so forth, um, and what his what is being filmed, what is being listened to by uh, younger, more objectively grounded and realistically grounded in the moment people. So the structure of the book alternates between my uh, main character Leonard Fife's memories and his experiences as he holds them in his head and the narrative that the filmmakers are actually capturing. Uh, it was a difficult book to figure out how to structure and that may be why it took me so many years to finally come around to the, to, to the actual writing it. Once I got rolling on it, then, then it was, uh, I won't say easy, but it was, uh, it was, um, <laughs> it was much faster and it, and it was much closer to my usual two or three year uh, kind of time frame for writing a novel. So that's a little background for it. Well, I, I want to bring Nancy in. Um, before I do that, I just want to read a um, uh, powerful, we've got quotes from Ann Beatty and Colin McCann, uh, ra just raves about this book. And this uh, new um, endorsement by Marilyn Robinson is just um, beautiful. And I'd like to read it and then we'll continue our conversation. Forgone is a subtle meditation on a life composed of half forgotten impulses and their endless consequences, misapprehensions of others that are accepted and exploited almost passively, a minor heroism that is only enhanced by demural. In the rages of a sick old man, profound questions arise. What is a life, a self, and what is lost when truth destroys the fabrications that sustain other lives? Ah, Marilyn Robinson, beautiful. Yeah, I was so grateful to her for that because she doesn't, she doesn't make those kinds of comments very easily or often. Uh, she's a very private person, and, and uh, I was I was just so touched and, and grateful to her. Well, books like Forgone aren't written very often, so there. Okay. <laughs> uh, now I'd like to um, bring in a good old friend of all of ours and, a, and a one near and dear to you and to HarperCollins, Nancy Pearl. 
everyone's Beautiful. favorite librarian and author and wonderful person. Is she there? Where is she? I'm yes. here. There she is. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi, Russell. Hi, Nancy. So nice to see you again. Yes, and you too. I, I, oh, I was going to say, as, a, as an interviewer, I have so many questions based on um, your, your talk with Virginia, but oh. we can, we can. All right. Well, I'm going to turn it over to you, but I want to just, um, just a couple of things, Nancy, uh, your book with, uh, that you wrote with HarperCollins, The Writer's Library, uh, which came out in September, uh, was a, is, is a wonderful collection of interviews that you did with uh, uh, authors um, and uh, it, it, you went to everybody's home and um, sat and um, with uh, Jeff Schwager and spoke with them and learned about them and looked at their books, the books that informed them as people that resulted in their um, becoming such wonderful writers. And one of those people, in fact, was Russell Banks. Um, and so I, I, I love the conversation. I love the interview that you all did together because that was a really, <laughs> Russell, you're too smart for your own good when you were a kid and your teacher was making you do that <laughs> crazy <laughs> school project all year long in the hallway or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, you guys could talk about it. It was basically to get me out of the classroom. And <laughs> well, you know, if, you, if a kid is too busy, smart, yeah. he's bored and then it's just like, you're going to be trouble. But, um, but um, I'm going to sit back and let two friends talk about whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> well, you know, Russell, when we were choosing the very first If All Seattle read the same book, which thankfully the title has now become Seattle Reads, much less clunky, um, it was a no brainer for me because yours was the book that I wanted the, the community to read and to come together to discuss. Mm -hmm. Because I think that what all your books, all, all your novels have done is talk about the human experience, the shared human experience mm -hmm. that, is, that is at that layer below um, going out shopping to Safeway. Oh, you don't have a Safeway in your town. Oh, we're so different. You know, that kind yeah. of thing. I mean, it's this shared human experience. And it just seems to me, I mean, that, that although The Sweet Hereafter is so perfect because you can talk about you as a writer and why you chose to tell the story in that way from four different viewpoints, um, all, all, your all your novels, well, all that you write, the fiction that you write is so character driven that you leave the books feeling like you know you know as much about those characters as you could possibly know from what you've said, but you're so curious about what happens next. When we interviewed you for the writer's library um, and we spent that afternoon with you, um, you, you, you we were, of course we talked about what you were reading, what you had read, the role of books in your life, but you talked about reading um, Tolstoy and, and especially his novel, The Death of Ivan, his novella, The Death of Ivan Illich. Yeah. And when I read Foregone, I said, oh yeah, that's the, the book that you were talking about that you were thinking about or working on or, or, or whatever. Right. Right. No, it's true. I, I, I hadn't at that time uh, when you were here and, uh, and we spoke, uh, I was working on Forgone and, uh, 
and and I hadn't it didn't have a title uh, yet, um, and uh, I, I didn't have a title until it was completely done actually, um, and um, I w I was indeed reading for about the third or fourth time in my life uh, the death of Ivan Ilyich, which is a, a book I've, I've always um, admired and and um, and felt drawn back to because I always felt, well, maybe I didn't completely understand it. It's a very profound book, morally and spiritually. And, um, and so I was reading it and it uh, obviously was guiding me. Uh, I think obvious to you now that you've read both in short and in, in quick succession. Uh, and obvious to me at the time that this was the ghost in the works, the ghost in the book. Um, I have a theory that almost every um, novel uh, has a ghostly presence of another text in it. Uh, palimpsest is something uh, that's there. And, um, and that the writer is often not even aware of it. Uh, we're often unconscious uh, it's, uh, of its presence, uh, but it's, it's a book we read or, or and maybe didn't quite get uh, that was remained mysterious to us, but still in some profound way moving to us and um, and and in this case, uh, the death of Ivan Ilyich is is indeed the the ghost in in Forgone. Uh, it raises questions um, and that I find you know, they're universal in many ways, um, but also I find um, mysterious and 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 require enormous attention and honesty to deal with. And the main one being, of course, um, how do we face death um, and, and how do we deal with its uh, inescapability um, once we realize it is inescapable. And most of the time one doesn't until the very end of life. And, and so uh, it, its structure and um, format and the themes of, of Forgone are very much drawn from um, the Tolstoy uh, novella. Well, Russell, I'm going to turn this back to Virginia, but I, I, I just want to say it's a wonderful, wonderful novel, and your interview, you're always talking to you is such a, a treat. Well, thank you. It's the so, same back, back to you for me. I, I, I love uh, being with you in, in uh, person and virtually. So yes, we, yes. So glad we could do this. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hope we can be in person another time in, in, our, in our lifetimes. <laughs> we will. We will. Good. Okay. Virginia, over to you, kiddo. Nancy, thank you. And thank you for all those questions. I'm glad I wrote them down and, all, and sent them all to you so you could ask them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I wonder if she's going to ask that question about Tolstoy. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> you are amazing, and I love you. I love you both. Um, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know where else to go with this. I mean, I have so many different sentences that I've just highlighted and and written, and but honestly, the joy of this is in the reading. Um, and it, this, uh, it's Russell Banks. What more do I need to say to you? So, um, well, uh, listen, this, we could go on for forever, but honestly, folks, if you, so many people have read the book and told us how much they've loved it. Um, there's an e-galley here um, and you can click on that and librarians start uh, reading. Don't forget that uh, the book is going on sale in March. So February 1st is the deadline for library reads voting. Um, Russell, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, 
been a pleasure. It's it, the pleasure is is all ours in speaking with you and in reading your words, and um and just 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 being in your presence. You are a wonderful um a wonderful writer and a, and a wonderful human being. And Nancy well, thank Pearl, you, Virginia. Well, I mean it. Um, Nancy Pearl, thank you. Writer's Library went on sale in September and is going gangbusters. But if you want to get carried away and to uh, to the you know to the these wonderful interviews and these insights into the lives of these writers and what shaped them as writers and what informed them so beautiful and each one um uh, just so so interesting and unique that's the writer's library i thank you so much for taking part in this interview today nancy uh, listening to the two of you talk to each other is bliss yeah, i thank you nancy too i really enjoy talking to you whenever oh, we good 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 well, thank so, you for having me on, Virginia. Always. Are you kidding? So be well, everyone. All right. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching, everyone. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Library Love Fest podcast. For more information on this week's episode, go to librarylovefest.com. Enjoying the show? We would love to hear what you think. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Library Love Fest and on Instagram at Harper Library. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share the show with a friend. Lastly, if you enjoy our show, we bet you'll enjoy all of the other podcasts from HarperCollins Publishers. Find a list of shows at harpercollins.com forward slash podcast. See you next week.